we, you know, we're not theater analysts here, but I do think there's something very critical about the way Next to Normal was written so that, you know, people like Justin Paul, (laughs) Ben Hasek, right? And and Dear Evan Hansen could could even happen. Hello and welcome to episode three of Theater Nerds. I'm your host, Rachel Jones. And I'm your other host, Taylor Reed. Theater Nerds is a podcast about our obsessions with theater, where we will explore all aspects of theater, musicals, and everything in between. This podcast is not set up to be a deep dive into technique or theater history, but we're hopeful that no matter if you're an enthusiast like us, or if you've only seen your cousin's school production of Peter Pan Jr., you'll enjoy this podcast. So cue the orchestra and come nerd out with us. To find out more about the Theater Nerd Cult, check us out at theaternerdpod.com, or you can also find us on Instagram and Twitter at Theater Nerd Pod, and on Facebook at Theater Nerd Podcast. In today's episode, we're discussing dynamic duos. Dynamic duos. Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> Which is us, actually. We should have yeah, put ourselves on this us. You're exactly right. <laughs> All right, Rachel, how excited and pumped are you to talk about dynamic duos? I am so excited. I also yeah. feel like I'm excited to hear what you're bringing to the table. I know. We I'm not hopeful. Yeah, I'm hopeful they're not the same. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about dynamic duos. And I, I feel like we should just pause quickly and like think about what what is a dynamic duo and what does that mean in the context of theater or musical theater Mm -hmm. so tay do you want to go first you want me to say so i mean in my head a dynamic duo obviously is kind of like a pairing of you know two people or i to me duo really means no no more than two people (laughs) Uh, (laughs) i hope people don't think we're gonna be doing like groups around here like a group of people Uh, (laughs) but it's a pairing of people that really without their strength of each other whether it's in the in a show or something else then you know with the power of these two people they can really you know do no wrong you know do no wrong maybe i don't know or uh really we'll find stand out. up against any evil force is really what i think <laughs> wow that's a heavy task <laughs> maybe you shed some light on who you picked <laughs> for your dynamic duos not sure mine are so noble so we'll come back to that yeah i feel like my i feel like dynamic duos are people that you can't think about one character without thinking about the other, right? And so, yeah, so like you you say one person's name and then immediately the other character or person pops into your head. Yeah, like Bert. And Ernie. And Ernie. There you go. (laughs) Perfect. Show me a musical about Bert and Ernie though. That's separate. I'm ready. Anyway. Or dramatic play, like, you know, that would be cool. I just feel like there has to be, we have to put Bert and Ernie where there's a bath tub because like in a musical number where there is the rubber ducky because that's right. that's the song that's the best right. song anyway yeah. I don't at me in the comments <laughs> okay <laughs> anyway so dynamic duos are yeah people who are maybe not as not always moral high ground they're not always the main character also right. of a story um but either they're so opposite that together they move the story along that like Mm -hmm. it would not work without the other person being the you know the opposite character or they are very close whether that means character wise or like close in like what they want to do that together they move the plot forward yeah Yeah. um and can stop any evil force like i said sure more on that later because I'm not sure we should run down my list that should be at the end we should run down my list and see if all of them can stop yeah. an evil force because well, I'm check not sure it, check it. you know if you need to check it <laughs> again we'll come back we'll take some time and yeah. great so I mean I think that's what a dynamic duo is um, I wholeheartedly agree and I love that 
these two when two when these two people come together they really are better together than they are not together yeah I agree yeah and I think you'll see in at least some of my picks but I'm sure some of yours as well like I said we have not talked about this but (laughs) what our picks are going to be but I think it doesn't even necessarily have to be a romantic relationship it's just like who are these two um individuals or people that come together I think the majority of mine are actually not romantic relationships I actually don't think any of mine (laughs) (laughs) one of mine I definitely is but the other isn't so okay so Tay do you want to go first how do you want to do it you want to yeah well I'm gonna I'll I'll preface that mine are kind of split up into three different categories I'm ready start with my 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 there's like characters uh is my first category i have writers in my second category oh oh and then i have like a miscellaneous category that i just think is funny (laughs) amazing and fun i'm excited my characters i i really and when i was writing this i was like oh i have two sets of characters but my first one is bialystok and bloom from the producers yes you have them <laughs> yes I do have oh, them wonderful. it was the first thought I had I did not put them first on my list but yeah. I did put them on the so list. my first thought actually was what we talked about in our last episode which was Alphaba and Glinda which is from Wicked and I did not yeah. write them down because we I have didn't. already talked to them if you guys haven't go hit up that episode our deep dive of Wicked episode two go check that out if you haven't but I think yeah when I when I was sitting down these were definitely some of the ones that first came to mind what yeah. uh talk about for yourself like what do you love about this dynamic duo and why why was it important to put on your list I feel like this is like the quintessential dynamic duo for many reasons I have actually never seen the producers fun fact yeah. um staged or otherwise which I feel horrible about because they made a movie version. You haven't seen the movie? Um, no. So okay, I've seen the movie. Is, I haven't seen this, this is, show. But I, I just feel like the way that their characters, it, it is, a, it's both comedy, right? Like it's, it's played for laughs, yeah. but, but at the same time, they are growing, they get into a lot of trouble together mm-hmm. and they, they're growing like without them, there is no plot. Yeah. without the way that they they push and pull i feel like yeah. they're a very good push and pull yeah. um dynamic of of what a dynamic duo is both within the character arch and then also i'd like to talk quickly i want you to go and then i want you to also talk about uh who the cast the original cast is yeah, yeah. um and then the the movie cast maybe but just how the the cast also plays on this dynamic Well, that's a good segue because I was going to mention, like, I think the, what a lot of the times what's great about theater and uh, other art forms too, when we talk about people embodying these characters, we also get to look at the people who play them. Yeah. Um, And of course, if you don't know, Nathan Lane and Matthew Broderick um, originated these roles in the producers. You know, I think it came out in like 2001. So we were like four and five. Yeah. I don't know. So we we did not get to see Nathan Lane. (laughs) But it is immortalized in a movie version with also Nathan Lane and Matthew Broderick. And I think there, when sometimes when we think about dynamic duos, it's like it's often like opposites that come together. Uh, and I think you'll see that in some of in some of my uh, list feelings here. But with that, that's exactly what it is. You know, Matt, um, Bloom uh, of Bialystok and Bloom, uh, Matthew Broderick's character is so reserved and very like uh, pragmatic and 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 is very uh, shy and i think he doesn't really he really just like plays by the books and then he meets um bialystok who was played by nathan lane and he's very like outspoken and um audacious and gregarious and all these things and like um flamboyance and all these fun things that um he's kind of taken aback by and is like oh wait maybe I should be more like this and and maybe they kind of learn from each other which I think is really cool 
Yeah, I love that. I I wanted to pause because I I looked it up. The original producer's movie, yes, um, without Nathan Lane, um, was filmed or released in 1967, and another very big person was in this. Oh my gosh, how could so I forget this? I did. I didn't know this. So Zero Mostel and Gene Wilder. And Gene Wilder, yeah, 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 because it's originally based on the Mel Brooks movie. Yes. So yeah. yes. Yeah. So um that's amazing yeah also I feel like they're they're themselves a dynamic duo um yes um, absolutely so. uh so hit me up with some more care some more duos you have because I have some other different categories so we can run through yes. some things that you have great I only did characters yeah. um because I don't know I told Taylor last week I was like do I even know what a dynamic duo is <laughs> do I even have some and then as I took a moment to think about it I was like, oh, I have a lot. So yeah. Um, the first one on my list uh, is more of a friend. We were talking about friendship, but not necessarily opposites uh, with a push and pull. And that is SpongeBob and pra- Patrick yeah. from SpongeBob Musical. Yeah. And the people who know me know that I absolutely love that musical. Mm-hmm. I think you can still rent it on Amazon. Uh, which you should, you should do it. I think also on Paramount Plus. If oh, amazing! Thank you. Paramount Look Plus. at that. So <laughs> it they take the same dynamic as SpongeBob and Patrick yeah. in the SpongeBob uh, TV series, mm. but in the musical version, together they are there. There's this uh, end of the world kind of sentiment that is existing, and they alongside yeah. Sandy. Yeah. have to figure out how to save it but specifically Spongebob and Patrick they their relationship is what drives either of them to make any decisions and there's this amazing song in the middle basically where it's like I guess I miss you because they've made decisions to go opposite ways and kind of live out the end of the world in different by making different choices and there's this moment where they're both singing basically mm-hmm. to each other without each other being present and it's just like the love, the friendship love they have for each other yeah. is what makes the musical plot and also what makes the other person a full character. Mm. So I love that. And I, I, I don't know if you have anything you want to say about SpongeBob and, and Patrick. You know, I was never a big SpongeBob fan. even. No. I know people are going to hate me in the comments. It's okay. We won't hate you. It's all right. You know, There's always time just- to turn the boat around. It's that's true. It. That's true. But <laughs> I did. I watched the musical and I enjoyed it a lot. Um, even not getting some of the references, I also love the music in it too. But oh, the music is amazing. Written yeah. by many different yes. lyricists and composers. Yeah. Sarah yeah. Bareilles being yeah. one. Cindy Lauper. Yeah. Panic at the Disco. Like yeah. you, you should just listen to it. Yeah. yeah, for sure, for sure. And so, but yeah, that friendship is, and also to seeing like such a tender hearted male friendship is really cool and and vulnerable and and but also like goofy and fun and yeah yeah I have one more in the exact same vein I basically wrote this the first one I was like Spongebob and Patrick and then I thought immediately of one that probably everyone knows a little bit better that we might have touched on a few or the first episode but Timon and Pumbaa, yes. they are very similar. It's like basically the yeah. same character. Yeah, it is. Although right. Timon and Pumbaa aren't the main characters. So unlike SpongeBob and Patrick, they're the two out of three main characters. Timon yeah. and Pumbaa obviously are side characters, especially the second act really is when they come in the last mm-hmm. scene of the first act into the second act. But they are hysterical and funny and together they're di- like the way that they talk to each other, their chat or their banter, mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. is really what drives I mean some plot points it truly yeah. does yeah and also played um so incredibly by so many different people because when yeah. you see the original movie of course Nathan Lane voicing Timo well, there he is again another, another Nathan Lane reference and then Ernie Sabella is his name he was in Guys and Dolls on Broadway look at that oh my amazing oh my, <laughs> oh my. Anyway, so those two and then but then also with the remake when you know regardless yeah. of what, what people's thoughts are on it you have Seth Rogen 
and Billy Eichner. Billy Eichner, yeah, and that's an incredible duo as well. What a duo! Um, oh, what a duo! <laughs> yeah. And then also, when you see it on stage, you have whatever actors are playing it that night, and they're they probably have so much fun camaraderie and 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 stuff like that. So yeah, such I've always like loved Timon and Pumbaa. They're so much fun and. They're they're definitely that uh, obviously Kuna Matata is like one of the best songs ever. Like it's just so great. Yeah, yeah. that's I such agree. a good one. I can't believe I didn't think of that one. So that that that's my I now I'm making care making categories like Taylor, but that's my like friend, funny. I have one more that falls into this category, but it might be yours. So I'll let you go next yeah. with characters. Well, the next we'll character one I have, because I have some other ones, like we've said, is from a musical that has been running for over 10 years now. What? And is, I have seen it live. I don't know if you <laughs> have, um, but it is so fun. And they're uh, very plot, plot driven and one that is kind of lukewarm at the beginning but then comes around at the end of the show and it is of course <laughs> elder cunningham and elder price from Yay! the book of mormon <laughs> so i have that i knew it i knew that was gonna be your next one yeah yeah yeah, yeah. okay and, why why are they listed for you Tay? well i think they just bring they truly bring out the best in each other even if they don't know it and I think that's what's so special about them. I think Elder Cunningham, or, or excuse me, Elder Price, who originated by Andrew Reynolds, is so underestimates Elder Cunningham, who originated by the incredible Josh Gad, who I'm sure <laughs> we'll talk about again on this show. At- also also known for playing what in Frozen? Oh, uh, Olaf in Frozen. Oh, absolutely. Amazing. For our non-musical theater but Disney everyone knows that he originated Olaf. I mean, come on. (laughs) So uh, Elder Price really just underestimates Elder Cunningham at every chance he can. But then at the end of the show, he realizes that how much like love and um, kindness that he has for him, even if he may be like a little weird. (laughs) He's like Elder Cunningham really has so much like love and respect for um, Elder Price and I think that is so shown in their friendship and they really uh, yeah it's really cool to see and seeing the show you can see like how much love the actors have for each other when they're playing the part and how much fun they're having uh, and that's really cool to see as well I love that and what I, I think yeah no I think similar similar reasons yeah. I um yeah, I also think the energy between Josh Gad and Andrew Reynolds is yeah. incomparable. Yeah. Um, but anyone who plays plays those two characters, it's a fine dance. It's not quite, I, this is why I didn't put them in the original category with SpongeBob, Patrick, Timon and Pumbaa, is because they are played for laughs, obviously. <laughs> they're both kind of insane characters. But there also is this delicate balance of them learning something, right? There's a narrative, a heart change that happens in a non-playful way Mm -hmm. uh, between the two of them. And like, they are better together. So this is one of those moments for sure. Um, Not just in the storyline, but as characters, they are better having known each other than not. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Well, before we go to some my next section, which is writers, um, let's let's uh, talk about some more of your characters. Okay. So some more that I feel like you will probably know is Mary Poppins and Bert. Yes, that was so, definitely one I thought about doing. Yeah, I, this is potentially the only one that's a love interest and yeah. in, on my list. Um, they are. I, I really was hesitant because Mary Poppins stands alone character wise. I do think, uh, especially in the musical version, she is um, the, you know, London version and the uh, U S Broadway version, which is different than the movie, right. both movies. Uh, then I think, I, I, just, I think she stands alone. Mm. Um, but I do think that Bert rounds her out. So there's this yeah. moment constantly that you see in their relationship where 
she's very headstrong. Maybe that's, I don't mean that in a derogatory sense. She's just very knowledgeable. She's got tasks she needs to do. And Bert um, offers her a space to enjoy the playful side that of her that already exists. Yeah. Because she is still the one creating and dreaming up all of these spaces that they end up going into. So it's not that Bert provides that for her, but maybe he's the pause in the in the in this time. Obviously, Bert gets a lot more out of this relationship <laughs> than Mary Poppins when yeah. it comes to like character development. Mm. Um, but I also I just couldn't not think about who originally played Bert and Mary Poppins in the movie, which is yeah. Julie Andrews and Dick Van Dyke. And um what what a dynamic that they have yeah. as humans mm. um that I just I had I had to put them on here what about you Tay yeah and to a certain extent like what we talked about when we talk about dynamic duos and the characters but also like the chemistry that the actors have together the, the chemistry together allows the dynamic duo to become bigger than and yeah. better than what it is on the page really uh, and I think Julie Andrews and Dick Van Dyke does that incredibly well, even though, of course, it really originates from the book um, and everything like that. But I wonder how much they took out of that and added it to um, the movie and then also to the stage when it was put on the stage. Uh, so much of the stage version is from the movie. Um, yeah. but also additions from the book as well so it's like this marrying of the two which is really cool yeah um, but it's also yeah I don't think it's often you can't really talk about dynamic duos without talking about the actors themselves because they breathe so much life into them and I think it's just so so cool and and yeah the the again i'll probably say this you know take a shot every time i say the word camaraderie on this show camaraderie <laughs> that that the two that dick van dyke mm-hmm. and julie andrews have is just so present and you can see it's almost like like the relationship that um leonardo dicaprio and kate winslet have from titanic like yeah. all over like they are like best friends mm-hmm. and it's really cool to see um that it's kind of like similarly how the uh you know i've seen interviews and videos of dick van dyke and julie andrews just like being such good friends and that's so yeah cool. it's Absolutely. like oh, it warms our hearts <laughs> i mean i think the that you can't you can't have an amazing dynamic duo like one that really stands out in your mind yeah. without feeling like there's trust built in this to that relationship yeah. and yeah. i mean that both like as in characters and actors that we get to see perform on stage but I also mean that in the way that we would write about characters, right? And like yeah. set them together, right? Timon and Pumbaa originally is animated. So is SpongeBob and Patrick, right? Yeah. Like we don't get to see necessarily in the same way, but we write about them as if there's trust between them mm. um, as well in order for things to happen. So, so I, I think trust is a, an essential part. So speaking of trust, I have, I have two more I want to share. Great. Um, before we move into your two other categories, one of them um, is kind of also weird. I wasn't sure if it was a dynamic duo, but I felt it so wholeheartedly. And that's Horton and Jojo from Susical. Oh, so Susical so Musical is this conglomeration <laughs> of Dr. Seuss stories. Right. Um, and I'm sure we will talk more about the plot, but it's Horton from Horton Hears a Who. Mm-hmm. um in there and talking to Jojo who is yeah. uh, on the the dust back yeah and they have this beautiful song that they sing together and to each other it's so yeah. interesting yeah. about being alone it's literally yeah. called alone in the universe and then they sing they sing other things yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> together but it is just this moment of like Horton who feels so he feels excommunicated by the people he's around because he believes that there's a dust back. Sorry, yeah. there's spoilers here. And Jojo, <laughs> who feels so alone because he doesn't think that the systems that are in place on the dust back and like people are not listening to him. He's kind of, right. you know, he, he's avant-garde in a way and he's a child, mm. um, you know, that they both feel so ostracized and alone. And that it's crazy that it's 
literally someone who lives in a different world or a different universe or like literally, you know, the dustback is a world, you know, if we were to think about it. And this Horton is on a different world, Earth. Yeah. And together, it's the only, yeah, right. It's the only thing that sorry before there was spider-man multiverse there was like i want that to be real (laughs) but they just like they're the people who who connect to each other and like because they realize they're connected and being ostracized there's a bond that's formed even more where jojo's like i am gonna save this dustback and horton also feels that way right so what about and you, Tay? You've seen Suzical, so. I have seen Suzical. I have performed in Suzical. Um, <laughs> you know, maybe more on that later. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> but I will say Suzical is a special show. And I will say I, what jumped out of me is this, the the fact that Horton and Jojo are such an unlikely pairing. And they're just such an unlikely because theoretically, like, how old is Horton? He's probably, you know, in his 30s or 40s. What we don't know. And then Jojo's at least like eight or nine. So having like an older, uh, you know, man and then a, a younger boy a relationship is is there's something so heartwarming about that. But then also that they're like sharing the same feelings of being alone is like you were saying is super touching. Um, but also even in the context of the show, like there's an elephant. And then there's this boy who is a who, but also Ooh. like are whose people we don't really know. So like there's yeah. these, even in the context of the show, it's like these two very um, unique individuals and these things that are very fantastical are coming together and like, um, yeah, be, you know, fighting against all the evil forces and odds, like we were saying. <laughs> there you go. And and I feel like they they truly get to sing one of the most precious songs. Yeah. I don't know, maybe it's the existentialist in me, but it's like, yeah, there's hope only because they also know they're not alone, even though they're singing about being alone. It's like the most, honestly, it is meta. Like, don't let anyone tell you that Suzical, don't sleep on Suzical the musical. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, bring up Suzical a little bit later in the show too. So. Oh, uh, hello. Spoiler. The next one. Okay, my last one that I feel I should talk about is one that doesn't, in my mind, stand up to your heroicism. And that is Sweeney Todd and Mrs. Lovett from, <laughs> from Sweeney Todd, the demon barber of Fleet Street. Interesting. Okay. okay. So the only reference I have for this is the movie. I've never seen Okay, it. great. So yeah. let's quickly talk about the movie. The movie was with Johnny Depp and Helena Bonham Carter. Mm-hmm. And um, they won so many awards for this. And this is, that movie was out in 2007. Mm-hmm. and um iconically directed by tim burton of course yes of course and um this is was a movie based off of the musical which is from steven sondheim but i really think this is what changed trajectory for sondheim yeah. and the original broadway cast was out in 1979 with angela lansbury and lynn Carew. I, I don't know if i said that name correct um and recently and you know revived on broadway in 2005 with the amazing and wonderful patty lapone um so and was it michael yes michael Cerveris. Cerveris, yes mm-hmm. yeah who was in um fun home yeah yes yeah. yes which also an amazing <laughs> musical okay so the whole point for those who are like what is sweeney todd um well the and this dynamic duo sweeney todd <laughs> He essentially, without trying to give away too much of the plot, he kills people at at his barber shop. And Mrs. Lovett decides she's going to bake them into her pies at her pie shop. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the real, we can talk more about the actual plot and everything, but this is how these two come together. They're both, once again, outcasts. So that was a good transition, actually. Mm -hmm. They're both outcasts and they somehow are so twisted and weird and crazy and they find each other. Like who, who is going to be convinced that they need to put people into a pie, but it's like Mrs. Lovett's idea to tell Sweeney that this is going to happen. So anyway, there's an amazing musical number where they're talking about it for the first time and they allude to it and they don't fully say everything. And it's the best lyricism. I really think, I truly think once again, shout out to Sondheim. Yeah. So yeah, I just, I love them. They have 
they clearly are like the opposite of a best friend doing good kind of narrative and they are best friends doing the most evil that they Mm -hmm. can together like yeah I honestly think that the plot would go nowhere if they didn't have each other so check on the dynamic duo but they are not offering good into the world and I'm not sure they're offering each other betterment either although I would say their scheme goes further with the two of them together and I mean there's something to say about that we could talk about like Matilda's parents their schemers together and that's why they get further um but like Sweeney Todd and Mrs. Lovett for me will continually be a dynamic duo um but I'm not sure that they could help save the universe love it oh my gosh that would be a crazy turn of events if they did also, I just want to say, like, the plot of Sweeney Todd is just absolutely wild. Yeah. It's just so yeah. wild. Yeah. It's also but it's so good. That you're like, musical, that's what we should do <laughs> for that. <Yeah. laughs> it's one of those things where you're like, if you just told the plot to someone and then you're like, oh, yeah, also there's music. And everything is singing. Yeah. 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 Wild. Love it. Set in London. So great. Mm-hmm. One day we'll go okay. shout out to our London listeners. I do want to so my next category of course are of dynamic duos um, is writers and there's a lot of cool writing teams in the theater world and I'm just going to shout out a few of them that really jump out to me I love this Um, I'm ready really start with writer dynamic duos unless we start with the iconic um Richard Rogers and Oscar Hammerstein uh. Rogers and Hammerstein the OG I remember in it was either in middle school or in high school I wrote a paper on Rogers and Hammerstein don't know where that is maybe we'll put it up on Patreon someday <laughs> <laughs> if I publish find it. that <laughs> um but you know uh Richard Rogers Oscar Hammerstein super incredible like OG theater writers they really of course have written some of the most incredible songs really that have lasted you know they're so timeless and if we look at their just incredible hits are carousel south pacific the king and i which we've already referenced on the show and then of Mm -hmm. course on the music Um, and cinderella and cinderella yeah of course which the music is bigger which is literally Rodgers and Hammerstein brought us together. Yes, so, absolutely. Uh, maybe one day we'll we'll talk about that fun fun story too. What's interesting about when you look at old, you know, old older musicals that are, um, you know, Oklahoma was written in forty three, Sound of Music was written in fifty nine. I mean, these it's a huge span. Also, a fun fact for people that didn't know, Edelweiss was the very last song that Rodgers and Hammerstein wrote together. And if that doesn't make you weep the next time you watch Sound of Music, I do not know what will. Uh, also, Rodgers and Hammerstein won a Pulitzer Prize for Oklahoma. Wow, I did back not in know 1944, that. which is super fact. rare for um, composers to win. So that's yeah. really cool. Mm-hmm. I will say, with older musicals, it's sometimes hard for them to not, you know, it it they don't hold up very well sometimes. But I think with their writing, you know, there are definitely some things that don't hold up well, but with their writing, it's just so good that it really stands the test of time. And I think we'll be talking, you know, people will be talking about Sound of Music and Carousel in Oklahoma for 50, 100 more years, and they'll just be, you know, be so timeless. The next um, dynamic duo that I want to bring up and and referencing uh, Susical because they wrote Susical are Stephen Flaherty and Lynn Ahrens. If you don't know who they are, please go look them up. They're not as well known as Rogers and Hammerstein, but I think they're like those secret, incredible musical writers that people are like, oh yeah, that that show is incredible and and is timeless and and crazy and uh, wonderful in the musical theater kind of zeitgeist they're just also a different era they're really when you think yeah. about it they, they kind of took what Rodgers and Hammerstein did or I mean we could talk about Sondheim of course literally took what Rodgers and Hammerstein did because he was trained by them but 
that Lynn uh, Aarons and Stephen Flaherty literally took what they did and kind of made it their own style in a more modern way too. Um, so we look at shows like Once on This Island. We look at shows uh, like, yes. uh, like Ragtime, of course, which is my favorite of theirs. We look at shows like Seussical, of course. Mm-hmm. And then they also did like in 2012, Rocky the Musical, which is crazy. And then they do, uh, they did Anastasia. Anastasia uh, yeah, on, the bro- on Broadway. Yeah, on yeah. Broadway and the movie. So just what an incredible, incredible body of work. And also so diverse when you look at it. You look at something like Ragtime versus Suzical, which they wrote within years of each other. I mean, those are so different and so, but so also different. so <laughs> incredible. They're both so incredible. It's just wild to me wild to me so the next set of writers that that. i've chosen kind of usher in the new wave of of the modern musical and i think they've written one of you know it's one of our favorite shows ever and that's tom kitt and brian yorkie who have written such incredible stuff um, on their own but then when they came together to write originally titled feeling electric but currently i'm crying of course titled (laughs) next to normal next to normal (laughs) who also won a Pulitzer Prize for their work on Next to Normal. I think it's, you can't like ever negate like their, their contribution to the musical theater landscape because they just really changed the game. Like it's really about like, they, they changed the way that I think musicals can be seen in the sense of when you look at mental illness, it's such a heavy topic that people are like do I want to go see a musical about that I don't know but they really transcended people's expectations of what they want to see in a musical but also the way that just like song is portrayed in a, in a show it's just like so incredible and so great uh, I mean and I love them I don't know if you have any I, I'm kind of rushing through these but do you have no any? I love first of all I yes next to normal let's just have a moment oh um yeah. it's so good and I think it we, you know, we're not theater analysts here, right. but I do think there's something very critical about the way Next to Normal was written so that, you know, people like Justin Paul and Ben Fassett, yeah. right? And, and Dear Evan Hansen could, could even yeah. happen, that people would even be interested, Stephen Levinson, yeah. right? Like to be able to go to a musical that's uh, centered around a narrative arc of, you know, a, a state that is not always healthy, right? Like yeah. I think before yeah. there was maybe a character often played, often played for laughs or often played, you know, in a way that is maybe othering, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm just thinking of physical ailments that were used and mental health issues right. that were used like Frankenstein and, uh, you know, uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame. Like it's an exaggeration of this othering. Yeah. And for the first time you have a show where all five characters have something going on yeah. um, and not one of them is perfect at all. Hence mm-hmm. the title of the show. But I, I think also you see this development of things can be hard. We can sit through a really hard musical and not everyone has to die at the end, like at Les Mis. And yeah. we can explore the reality that like we will end up somewhere, yeah. um, but it might not always be in this like tied in a bow, doing a tap number reprise yeah. at the end. Oh, and, yeah, and, and I think that that's rare. there is hope in the end too. Like yeah. the show really does end on a hopeful note. Yes. Even if you don't, like even if you have to see it like four or five times in a row to be like, oh yeah, there is hope or listen to it. Yeah. Gosh, when I found that show, it really, it really like changed. I listened to it for mm-hmm. months and months and months. Oh yeah, same. After it. Absolutely. Um, but you have a great transition because you already talked about that because my next dynamic duo of writers is Pesek and Paul because we can't not talk about them because... I was wondering if they were going there next. Yeah, yeah Amazing. Yeah. Well, and, and I don't know if you noticed, but I really tried to like pick dynamic duo of writers that were really like influenced their generation of mm-hmm. era, of the mm-hmm. era that they were in. I mean, Rodgers and Hammerstein really shook up 
the what they what their space of musical theater was and then Lynn's uh, and Flaherty really did a lot of different things and really shook up you know their legacy is so incredible when you look back on it obviously yeah. Brian Yorkie and Tom Kitt have next to normal but also that incredible show if then that they wrote together um, and, oh. also, and also um, Freaky Friday the musical people should definitely which is out. amazing yeah, which is it's so good amazing. the so uh, good. original cast recording that's on street that you can stream is different than the Disney one that they showed, yeah. which you yeah. can also watch. Yeah. But I recommend I recommend the streaming version. It's so I also so recommend good. The, the original cast recording. But then yeah. I think you're you're exactly right that all those people really walked so Pesek and Paul could run. Obviously their biggest one is like Dear Evan Hansen. But then when you look at their body of work of like Dogfight, which is Dogfight, like yeah. such an incredible body like work, even on two of itself. And then also writing with La La Land and Greatest Showman, how big of a hit that was. And mm. then now they're working on the live action Snow White movie. Yeah. It's just such an incredible love that Pasek and Paul are like pushing the game. I wonder, I, I always wonder what they're going to do next. I wonder what mm. their next show is going to be. So yeah, that's, I mean, I think dynamic duos. I love that. I love that we're, we're talking about them. Uh, I, of course, on the opposite end of you know them because of their work with Smash. Duh. yeah and then also I had the privilege to see a Christmas story the musical mm-hmm. and they did work with that and that's amazing that yeah. honestly that show why don't we talk about that show more <laughs> it's actually it's amazing it's yeah. amazing and the music is so great it's so catchy and like obviously it's based off of the the movie and so yeah but the it just it just is it's great it's great music um and then of course once we learn more about them. We, I went back to listen to Dogfight while Dear Evan Hansen was yeah. making its way. And I just, I think that their range, something, something else that we, we will talk about, or you did talk about when it comes to Roger and Hammerstein, like their work, their arc is done, right? Like mm. their work that they did together is over. Um, and so we can look back at shows like South Pacific and compare that and The King and I and compare some of their problematic lyrics and ideas to amazing shows le- that they did, right? Like like Oklahoma and Cinderella, right. right? Those are different. Like that range doesn't feel as big to us right now because it mm. all feels very classic. And the yeah. way that the music was written was very similar. But I will say there were moments, right, within the, that um, and that's that that will also be true for the other two dynamic duos that you just named that are still doing work, right? Like we might look at the, you know, it might be that later the greatest showman doesn't stand up or some things in dogfight don't stand up right. anymore if you're thinking about this, you know, 40 years from now. But the range that they also carry is bringing in and ushering in the new the new writers because if mm-hmm. we've just had the same writers all the time. That would that actually would suck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. Exactly. Exactly. So thanks, thanks for bringing writers, dynamic writers. Oh, of course. To us, Tay. So many dynamic duo, and and it's exciting to think about like what dynamic duo writers will be talking about that mm-hmm. haven't even put anything out yet. Absolutely. So exciting. Well, before we, I talk about my fun mis- miscellaneous category Ooh. which is so fun i love this um so what what are some more characters you have some more dynamic duos yeah okay so i have i have two more remaining on my list and one is i don't actually know their names so maybe taylor you can help me okay. but it's the princes in into the woods so rapunzel's prince and Cinderella's Prince. I don't, do they have names? I think that's just their names. <laughs> okay, amazing. Yeah, that's yeah. what I thought, but I wasn't positive. I'm Into the Woods, also Stephen Sondheim, which is a, a, absolutely incredible. And I think Taylor mentioned that he was one of those characters in our first episode of sure Feeling Character of the Week. So sure did. Uh, we did talk about it a little already then, but there's this amazing, they don't really interact. I don't really know how they're related besides that they're princes. Um, it doesn't fully say, right? I don't think it, they're related. I no, think no, but like how, relationally, how they're related. I don't know why they're together. I think together. they're just friends because they're both princes, right? So that's what I think. They they had a prince <laughs> get together. They're like, oh yeah, let's prince out together. Maybe, I don't maybe know. let's say let's say like their moms are friends. Like, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, the kings yeah. the kings are friends. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, anyway, yeah. in this magical world where we're in the woods, 
they cross paths a few times Mm -hmm. um, and they're both going through very weird things right like the Cinderella's prince as hence the title his name he's pursuing Cinderella who for two nights at least if not three is fleeing him yeah found her on tinder and yeah yeah and like she came to the ball and then all of a sudden she's leaving and he's like what the heck and then Rapunzel's prince does know Rapunzel like I think stumbles upon Rapunzel and she's gorgeous and she's singing in her tower and of course grows her hair so that he can climb it to come up I mean these are right stories fairy tales anyway they have this amazing song I still I think it's in act one correct Mm -hmm. me if I'm wrong Tay and there's a Um, and two when I remember great yes so they they have they're just they meet each other in the woods now the princes because they're just blowing off some steam going horseback riding who knows Mm -hmm. and they come to this song that they sing called agony and it is a hundred percent played for laughs but they are not playing it yep (laughs) they are a hundred percent not playing it for laughs they taking themselves extremely seriously but the audience knows like this is absolutely ridiculous that you're complaining yeah. that you're a prince and a girl i mean right is not doesn't love you as much or your love is not mm. super easy because mm. you have to climb someone's hair or because you're pursuing someone yeah. Yeah. like it's just so male centric and it's honestly it's hysterical i find them to be a dynamic duo in a very weird way because mm. i do think that without the scenes that they have together we wouldn't really know that much about them as characters. Mm-hmm. Cinderella's prince interacts more with the baker's wife, but even then, um, we we don't get a lot from them. Well, I think it's interesting when you put it like that. Of I wonder why, and I'm sure Sondheim has talked about this, like why he chose to put those songs in there because they really don't for the don't plot do anything. at all. They really, <laughs> yeah, you're exactly right. They literally just stay there, but it's just an a fun. I think it really is like a fun side. Like, let's check out these characters for a little bit and let's see what's going on with them. But really it's just a song about who these people are rather than like forwarding the plot. Like we said, I think that's exactly right. So that's what I was going to say. Um, a lot of the times, right, like with Disney movies and other things, something is a character dynamic is played. It's played as it's funny. It's like, you know, jovial, you're yeah. having a good time. But it's also in the midst of other things that are fun and happy. Like I'm thinking about back to Bert and Mary Poppins. Like, oh, well, things are heavy-ish. But like, For a second, I thought you were going to say Bert and Ernie. <laughs> oh, sorry. Well, maybe them too. But they're having like, right, like in the story of Mary Poppins, there are some bad things, but like the majority of what you see is like good things. You're learning tough lessons, but in a great way, right? Or like, but this is a moment where the entire plot is so heavy and like, it's really, it really is. And it's only going to get worse in the second act. It's only going to get more heavy. You're only going to be like, what is happening? How are these things happening? And there's this, just this moment. It's actually still great music and lyrics and it is a moment of like okay we can breathe it's a respite yeah and I think that because of that it actually is very helpful and I wanted to say that in the movie version this comes to mind also because in the movie version it's hysterical to watch Chris Pine Pine I mean Chris Pine no I can't just combine Chris Pat and Chris Chris Pine Pine. (laughs) Chris Pine and Billy Magnuson do this and like if you haven't seen into the woods of 2014 movie version i recommend actually seeing the musical stage production yes. with bernadette peters first but if nothing else please just go and watch this clip of them sing this yeah. song yeah. um because it's, it's streaming on disney plus now so it's it's, it's meme worthy also yeah it is meme okay worthy. You're right. so i have one more right. and this is janice and Damien, yeah, girls. Yes. <laughs> That's me doing that. Thank you. Yeah, we we're just gonna um have Taylor <laughs> do the do the uh do the uh music from now on. Okay, so Mean Girls. This is obviously based off of the movie, but Mean Girls, the musical version, came to Broadway in what? 2018 I believe something like that spring 2018 I had 
the privilege to see the show with a friend in DC before it yes, made it I remember this. to Broadway. And it, I think they had just, the show we saw like earlier that week, they had just uh, gotten contracted to be able to go to Broadway. So they knew, oh, great, great. Um, which was amazing. So I think everyone knows There you go. So you don't have to just take Taylor's word for it. So I think everyone knows the story of Mean Girls, right? Um, so I'm not really, I'm not going to say much on the plot, but there are these two characters, Damien and Janice, played by Gray Henson and Barrett Wilbert Wee, which, here she is. Oh my gosh. Also in the Heathers, so. Spoilers. Um, yeah, so there, there is Greg Hansen right there. Really. So if they're, first of all, these two actors are so iconic together. Um, I just want to, I just want to say that. Yeah. No, like I just, yeah, absolutely. But the, the characters themselves, they are like kind of scheming. They're like the people who are not in the in crowd yeah. and they try and get Katie, right? Caddy to come and, <laughs> you know be in their group instead of be with the plastics and so they have especially in the musical they have amazing chemistry but also they have the best songs i will mm -hmm. i will die on yeah. this hill like they just they get to sing the best songs uh damien especially where do you belong is first of all there's a little tapping in there there's a little lunchroom theater assessment scene it's just absolutely amazing and the two of them together are really yeah. ultimately yeah. how they they also act in the musical version as the narrators yeah. so it's important like they they are essential to the plot they are essential to character development for themselves but also for every single other person because they are acting as narrators they get to stir the pot and they Which also such a know, brilliant way of doing the show like having it's them so good characters. it's so yeah. good it's just so good. Yeah. Um, I will. I will fight back okay. a little bit. I actually like World Burn. I think. Okay. All right. Fine. But Taylor Louderman. It's okay. Louderman okay. can. Taylor Louderman, who plays, who originally uh, originated the role as Regina George, she yeah. gets to sing uh, World Burn, and it is. I mean, it's just incredible. Yeah. It's incredible. But no, I mean. Obviously, Damien and Janice, like, it's such a, I think it will go down, really, like, when we think about it, like, I think we're, we're still, like, really close, obviously, to the musical, but even the movie, like, it only came out, like, less than 15, years ago. I think because we're so kind of close to it, but I think there's such a cool pairing, and especially in the musical, because you get to flesh them out a little bit more, too. Yeah. So, yeah, I told, I love that. And they're so relatable and so fun and it's not you know it's it's just such a fun like they're just like such a fun hang yes absolutely yeah. okay taylor you are right. miscellaneous so category i'm our, excited dynamic duos i have some miscellaneous ones that i just oh boy shout out here i'm just I'm nervous rapid fire like here we go so my first okay. one is like obviously l woods and mm. then uh the color pink Elwoods and Pink, that's a dynamic duo. <laughs> <laughs> they, they go you're good. I thought you were going to say Brewster. <laughs> Brewster, whatever her dog's name is, and instead you were I talking mean, that about the color. But Elwoods and Pink, like, you can't not have Elwoods with Pink. Okay, and then my second one Incredible. I love is this. I have Ben Platt, Aaron Tveit, and Angie Rannells. Their dynamic duo is tenor, like their tenor voice. <laughs> 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 like you can't have why you gotta do me like that Tay yeah. why you do that to me you can't have that plot Aaron Tveit or Andrew Reynolds without their wonderful tenor voices uh, so I love all also they're all their falsettos like incredible incredible, incredible. also shout out to falsettos uh my last one <laughs> the show also uh, yeah, yeah, yeah that's what I mean uh, <laughs> uh, my last one is maybe a little bit of an obvious one but it's so fun uh we have my, the last dynamic duo is Lin-Manuel Miranda take a shot every time I say his name on the show and hip-hop hip-hop oh, and Lin-Manuel Miranda will never not be together and they are the true dynamic duo <laughs> that's amazing here's what I thought you were going to say when there was a long pause after Lin-Manuel Miranda was himself <laughs> also a dynamic duo 
<laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, and so, his wife, really. Like, let's be real. <laughs> yeah, but I'm just saying, like, he when it comes to being in shows and doing shows, he's just he that's it's true. he himself, and then there's everyone else. <laughs> yeah, and I don't yeah. think he's like that as a person, but he just like he's like, I, if I have this opportunity, I'm gonna yeah literally yeah why not take my shot right right, right, right. i respect that throw away his, his shot. it has but even now become a verb i'm gonna lin manuel miranda this so exactly. i feel I'm i feel great like this. he's i'm gonna, I'm gonna win, win this, this. Yeah, yeah absolutely i i i think what's great about is like you'll look at you look at in the heights you look at hamilton you look at moana and even in kanto that's out right now all of them have are very different um flavors of lin but then you have that little like drop like Encanto yeah. has this there's like a song and then it has a little hip-hop side to it and you're like oh yeah yeah this is like like he's almost like don't forget this is me it's like <laughs> Alan Menken who always has those four chords played yeah. in every single thing that he has done the part and of you just world. easter egg it yeah basically yeah. part of your world in every single yeah. Yeah. show and the other show I want to shout out that he's done is 21 Chum Street it should not exist and it's incredible <laughs> and if you haven't go watch it on YouTube it's 20 minutes of your life just go do it it's wonderful we'll link it in the show notes yeah exactly exactly well rachel that concludes our discussion on dynamic duo so much fun yeah thanks Uh, tay thank you so much it was so much fun. i loved hearing all about your dynamic duos yeah that was great so much fun all right rachel let's talk about character of the week shall we let's do it so this is a segment where taylor and i pick a character a theater character that we are feeling the vibes are feeling like for that week we are recording of course our third episode which is so exciting uh, we would also love to hear you guys uh, and your characters as well so comment on our social media page uh, with us tell us uh, who you are feeling what your vibes you're feeling this week and you may get a shout out on an episode in the future um, so Rachel why don't you go first who is your character of the week this week my character of the week transcends musical theater and play theater and literature, and that is the White Rabbit. Oh, um, Alison Wonderland. Um, I love Alice in Wonderland. I love all forms of this show. Alice by Heart, which was done by MCC, was something I was able to see. Also, you should really listen to that music. But the White Rabbit, as I hope everyone knows, he's yeah. just constantly worried about time and he's always behind and let me tell you this week even us recording the podcast I was like Taylor I'm gonna need an extra 15 minutes because I forgot to get coffee from the store (laughs) so um I just I truly feel like I'm embodying the white rabbit uh and just constantly late I will say the redeeming character of the white rabbit is that the the white rabbit shepherds Alice through I mean it she continues to look for him Mm. and to see what's next even though he in different versions doesn't always give her the time of day and he's constantly behind so yeah oh i love that thanks what about you transcending all these art forms (laughs) uh incredible well my (laughs) i'm just thinking about mine right now and it's like so silly but it's so fun my character of the week it is uh the ups guy from legally blonde (laughs) Hey, theater nerds, want to jump in here and say my deepest apologies to the uh, Kyle estate. Uh, I have personally wronged this character from Legally Blonde the Musical. I per- just say, in as you are about to hear, I only say I know him as the UPS guy, but he has a name. It's Kyle, and everyone, I, I apologize. I apologize to the character of Kyle, the UPS man, his estate, and everything. I hope our lawyers can work this out. Um you know amicably and i uh, i apologize to all all of kyle's fans out there all right back to the show i'll be a boil <laughs> of course yeah, right? uh, originally in the movie uh in 2001 <laughs> but also iconically played by andy carl in the musical i didn't know andy carl played yes, him yes yes oh because his wife or played paulette oh in on the musical as well Gosh. So anyway, I just learned so much in that moment. Yeah, wow. incredible. If you guys haven't seen Legally Blonde the Musical, it's on YouTube and it's so fun. 
one of the yeah we'll we'll definitely talk about that later but uh ups guy listen i i have reasons why <laughs> why because this week as of recording this the weekend i did a lot of handyman work things in the house and i feel as though the ups guy is kind of like a handyman He's like, like delivering packages and he's like a real, you know, like this is my, I'm, I, you know, I'm speaking in terms of him, but he's like, I'm sexy and I want to, you know, I want to deliver these packages in a fun way. And that's, oh, you know, I did all these, you know, I did all these projects this weekend as of recording it. So that's why I feel like him, but also he really (laughs) loves Paulette. He really loves Paulette. He does. And yeah. I, I'm just, you know, hanging out with my wife and loving her. So Aww, that's, uh, that's cute. Hey? <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Although I'm still, I can't, I can't. That show is so good. Her talk, Paulette talking about the UPS guy in pre bend and snap song, but in the bend and snap song is just absolutely yeah. amazing. Yeah. So UPS guy is my character of the week. If you guys would like to join in on our discussion, check out theaternerpod.com. Or of course, you can find us on social media, on Instagram and Twitter at theaternerpod and on Facebook at theaternerdpodcast. Thank you all for joining us and we'll see you next week.